Hello and welcome to Interactive Podcasting. In today's episode, we will be discussing diverticular disease with the help of Mr John Lund and Mr Bill Speak, Co-Rectal Consultants at Derby. So um, this uh, podcast is about diverticular disease. I'm here today with uh, Bill Speak, he's a consultant surgeon in Derby, uh, very lucky to catch him in between cases, a uh, multiple prize winning surgeon. And uh, firstly, Bill, um, could you um, define diverticular disease for us? Well, I think we're confining our talk here to colonic diverticular disease. So we're talking about uh, outpouchings on the side of the colon. Yeah. In actual fact, we're talking really about what are pseudo-diverticulae, and that they're only made of mucosa and submucosa, as opposed to true diverticulae, which would be all coats of the bowel wall. Okay, an example of a true diverticulum would be the meckles. Exactly, yeah. 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 Okay. So... Um, confining ourselves to um, the colonic diverticulae, um, the commonest sites really would be in the sigmoid colon, mm-hmm. and in the western uh, western populations, the commonest reason they are there is because they are due to blowouts from the side of the bowel wall, so they're due to a high pressure within the sigmoid colon. Yeah, there is a there broadly speaking, there are two subtypes in in eastern populations. There is a, a subtype that's usually due to a relative collagen deficiency, yeah. and that and those can be thought of a type that can occur in the whole of the bowel, and yeah. not necessarily due to high pressure. Okay, I mean this this talk's aimed at um, at pre at, at uh, medical students yeah. in the in so, uh, CP one or CP mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll keep it reasonably simple. I mean, why do, why do the diverticulae occur where they do in the bowel? They can, they occur in the bowel at, at usually at fairly reliable sites, and that's along the, where the blood vessels, the vasorecta penetrate the bowel wall uh-huh. and there's a potential weak spot beside where the, be- the blood vessel penetrates yeah. and then you get the blowout of the mucosa and submucosa yeah. at that site. Okay. People sometimes say it's like one of those long balloons and mm. if you squeeze it it's the bits in between yeah. the fingers that blow yeah. out and that's yeah. where the diverticulae occur. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's what diverticulae are. How common is it? Diverticulae disease is, is very common. Yeah. Um, in actual fact some, well, some people say it's as common as your age as a percentage. So if you're 70, 70% of the population have that. That's probably a little bit of an overestimate, but 70, around 30% of the population will have diverticulae present in their bowel. Right, okay. Because what I always say is a bit like getting grey hair as you yeah. get older. Yeah. Uh, other people Wear have and tear on the bowel. Yeah. So, um, what, what problems is it? Is it problems in everybody that has diverticular disease? No, the vast majority of people with diverticular disease have no problems whatsoever. Um, some people will have pain, and that's just due to the presence of the diverticulae. The commonest problems in the Western populations are septic complications. Yeah. So they will have often a, an episode of diverticulitis, where they get faeces or a little piece of faeces stuck within the diverticulum, which becomes inflamed, yeah. and then it can set up a, a worsening process, yeah. or it can be self-limiting. Yeah. The vast majority are self-limiting. Okay. Some can go on to form a, an abscess, yeah. an abscess can go on to perforate, yeah. and that can result in prolonged peritonitis or even fecalent peritonitis. Right, so pus or faeces in, yeah. in the peritoneum. In the peritoneum. Okay. Are there any other complications of diverticular disease? Yeah, the abscess, if it doesn't burst outwards, so if, if the sigmoid colon, for example, often sits on top of the bladder in the pelvis, the sigmoid colon can become inflamed with diverticulitis, that can then stick to the bladder, and if that then forms an abscess, the abscess can burst into the bladder, so they can end up with a fistula 
Right. Between the sigmoid colon and the bladder, a colovocycle fistula. Okay. Indeed, they can end up with fistulas elsewhere, but that's the commonest site. Okay, colovocycle. And a fistula, as we know, is an abnormal communication between two epithelial surfaces. Exactly. Yeah. So, what, what symptoms somebody who had a, a colovocycle fistula have? The typical symptoms of colovocycle fistula are recurrent UTIs, but yeah. they will also, on, on closer questioning, often have pneumaturia, yeah. so gas on, on micturition. Right. And they can also have, notice particulate matter, which is often faeces, yeah. coming through the urethra. So yeah. they notice passing passage of faeces per urethra. Yeah, that's right. And, and patients know when they've passed gas, don't they? Because yeah. it's a very unusual yeah. sensation that they sometimes describe as like when you turn a hose pipe on, there's those sort of futs of the yeah. air. Gas coming through, particularly in a very abnormal. And then, and then the other thing is when women have had hysterectomies, um, the diverticulae sometimes stick on top of the mm. vaginal vault. Yeah and uh, a colovaginal fistula um, can yeah. occur as well. So a fistula is, in, in, in a woman who hasn't had a hysterectomy, is actually quite rare, yeah. because the, the, his, the uterus sits on top of the bladder and protects yeah. the sigmoid colon from the bladder. Yeah. So, um, and then, so other, other, other complications. So up to now, just to recap, we've had the diverticulae just mm -hmm. sitting there quite innocently. Yep. Sometimes it causes inflammation, which would present with left eyelet fossil pain. Commonly left eyelet fossil pain. Yeah. It may be sort of a poorly localised pain that localises yeah. to the... And that just grumbles along the yeah. Sometimes it's worse and you have more active mm -hmm. inflammation, and it's often bringing them into hospital with left eyelet fossil pain. Yeah. Okay, and uh, then they may have an abscess. They may wall it off and it becomes a, a lump yeah. of inflammation called a phlegmon. Mm -hmm. yeah. They may perforate either producing pus yeah. or producing gas from free faeces, now the gastrocytes are very, very poorly in peritonitis. You might have a fistula and I suppose the one thing, the two more things we haven't really talked about. Well, well, if that process that we've talked about, the sort of the septic process settles down, mm -hmm. hasn't been severe enough to present acutely as an emergency, they may present with a stricture yep. because as the, abs, as the inflammation settles down, that causes scar tissue, yep. causes fibrosis yep. and causes a stricture in the bowel. Yeah, so you yeah. Get, when you get healing you have constriction of this, yeah. contraction of the yeah. scar like in any other scar. Yeah. Yeah. So it does lead to some problems if you have a stricture in the sigmoid colon, there is often this uncertainty as to whether it's a benign diverticular stricture or... Okay. And what symptoms else. might a stricture give you? Stricture may, well, commonly give symptoms of obstruction, yeah. um, but to be honest, diverticular strictures rarely obstruct completely. Yes. They tend to present um, electively to the outpatient clinic yeah. and we often have diagnostic uncertainty partly yeah. because the barium enema does not confirm it, a CT does not necessarily confirm yeah. either way and colonoscopy is difficult because A, a it's painful but it's also yeah. a stricture and it's difficult to pass the So they might have colicky lower abdominal yeah. pain and, and mm. loose stool perhaps mm. as yeah. it still has to be loose enough to get yeah. through that narrowing. Yeah. And they tend to be longer as well don't they than uh, yeah. on, on imaging? Longer, and they well, obviously don't have the mucosa yeah, regularity. And often associated with diverticular disease as well. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I suppose the other thing that brings people into hospital often is bleeding, isn't mm. it? So the other, the other cause, um, the other thing that they cause, as you mentioned, is bleeding. Diverticular disease not uncommonly bleed, because as, as we've said already, they, the place where they occur is where the blood vessel penetrates the bowel wall. Yeah. So obviously that can be eroded into and then can cause yeah. usually a very profuse bleed. Yeah. And the patient's very alarmed, they have a huge PR bleed, yeah. fresh blood, fresh clots, blood, clots yeah. and noted you know, often in the pan. Generally, they have a, a, a bleed which is very profuse, and then by the time they arise in, arrive in hospital, the bleeding is often stopped at that stage. Yeah. But they can have lost a significant amount of blood. Yeah. Yeah. It's often difficult because they coexist often with angiodysplastic lesions within the bowel wall, yeah. and you're never certain both of which are very common in an elderly yeah. population. Yeah. But an angiodysplastic tends to yeah. bleed and bleed, and yeah. it's not as common, whereas yeah. diverticular. Disease, as you say, it's, it's one big bleed, 
the patient's obviously very alarmed yeah. by this, comes into hospital, and by the time they come into hospital, there's spasm of the blood vessel, yeah. clotting occurs, and there's uh, probably not often no more yeah. bleeding or not more than one more episode yeah. in most yeah. cases. Yeah. Is that, is that that's, that's, that's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So in that situation, um, I think just talking on to the management of that, or broadly speaking, the management of a, a big PR bleed, mm -hmm. if you feel that the, the bleed is coming from the colon, then they would need resuscitation. Mm -hmm. But if there is any uncertainty, you may go on to get an upper GI endoscopy to mm -hmm. be certain that there's nothing in the upper GI tract. Yeah. And then if it's... Old lady with fresh blood yeah, PR, get an upper GI scope. That's right. Uh, more. So somebody comes to clinic, let's say, mm -hmm. and they've got a history of um, left eye at fossa, Discomfort. Um, what's, what other things might it be? So, left in a in a this sort of population, left eye foster discomfort. It could be diverticular disease. It could be in a lady, as you mentioned. It could be something to do with the ovaries. It yeah. could be ovarian cancer. It could be renal problems. Yeah. So it could. It's unlikely to be a renal cancer if it's in the left eye yeah. foster, but a possibility. Yeah. It could be a ureteric stone. It could relate to the iliac arteries. So it yeah. could potentially have an iliac aneurysm. Yeah, that would be unusual. Though, yeah. Unusual. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking more along bowel lines. It could be a it could be a um, cancer. Yeah. Um, electively, those are the, the common things that would run through yeah. my mind. Um, in an emergency, you may think about other things such as volvulus and yeah. so on, but that would tend to. Okay. So I, I suppose that the top ones would be um, a constricting cancer. Yeah. Um, and um, an ovarian problem, I suppose, yeah. in a woman. Yeah. And the other things would be less common, aren't yeah. they? I suppose, than that. So, uh, how would you investigate someone that you thought had diverticular disease? The vast majority of people with diabetic disease do present as an emergency. So if we take the patient who comes in with left eye fossa pain, we would normally obviously check that they are adequately resuscitated and go through your ABCs as with any emergency. Yes. But then you go on to, to organise some basic tests. First of all, it would be useful to have some urine, a urine dipstick, because a UTI may yeah. present as an emergency. Yeah. So urine would be useful, we would like a full blood count, and that would be mainly to look for the white cell count mm -hmm. and see if there's any sign of of a raised white cell count in keeping with diverticulitis. Mm -hmm. LFTs, clotting and using these are almost always sent um, yeah. and but may be helpful. Usually it's probably more so, yeah. but LFTs probably not. not. Particularly. Yeah. And, and again an amylase because of any cause of abdominal pain. But yeah. again it's not, we've, we're thinking along the lines of somebody who presents fairly typically yeah. with left eye lip foster pain. So those, in, the, in that first instance and things point towards that. Mm -hmm. An abdominal film if they've got localised left eye lip may help. Mm -hmm. You may see um, some, uh, a little film of free gas around the bowel, regular sides, so seeing both sides of the bowel wall. Okay, and, and that's if they have a perforation. And that's if they have perforation. Yeah. You may see free air on, a, on a, an erect chest mm -hmm. x-ray. So an abdo film and a chest x-ray, depending on if they've got peritonitis yeah. or... But generally or, the abdo film doesn't show, doesn't, doesn't show us a great yeah. deal. So moving on, if, if that is the case in your clinical diagnosis of diverticulitis, then it's probably fine to let the patient have clear free fluids mm -hmm. and allow them to have some relative bowel rest so mm -hmm. you're not putting too much fibre through the, through the bowel yeah. and start them on kefiroxyl and metronidazole mm -hmm. which will cover um, the, the bowel, the sure. plugs that are the bowel, bowel causing yeah. diverticulitis. Ideally, but it's not always available and mm -hmm. most people actually don't do this due to for practical purposes, a CT scan is very useful mm -hmm. because not only in the acute situation it will confirm your diagnosis, mm -hmm. it will also stop you treating other causes that don't need that course yeah. of management yeah. and, it may, and it will pick up other, other things that you haven't even thought of. So yeah. CT is ideal but in most cases we don't actually do it. So in most cases we, we give them antibiotics, some analgesia and, and just let them settle. Yeah, let them settle. And if they're not settled after two or three days then we will get the yeah. CT in that yeah. situation. If you, I mean an indication for CT often if they're 
swinging temperatures. Swinging temperatures, and that would obviously, if the swinging temperatures would be a sign that there's an abscess going on. Yeah. Seeing as you mentioned the abscess, um, most abscesses that are associated with diverticular disease will settle with the same management. Yeah. So fluids, antibiotics, analgesia. And my my personal uh, opinion on this is if it's smaller than five centimetres, then it should settle with IV antibiotics. Right. Is it your personal opinion or is there any evidence to support that? There is evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's not your advice. <laughs> um, I can't remember what it is. Okay, okay, well, that's fine. But most, most abscesses are just, yeah. uh, but yeah. let's keep it simple. If you've got an abscess, you can normally drain it yeah. under radiological guidance yeah. per pertains. Yeah. So if it's bigger than five centimetres, that's when we probably do that yeah. straight off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now, um, and, and then uh, a CT scan, but then it's quite often diagnosed on the bare minimum later when it's all settled yeah. down, yeah. and you see this classic sort of pouch on the side mm -hmm. of the bell, or sometimes colonoscopy, yeah. so it can be a bit tricky because mm -hmm. you can't find your way through the sort of Swiss cheese appearance yeah. of, of diverticular inside the bell. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can we just um, go on to um, what happens in the long run with diverticular disease? Would you advise taking it out for something symptomatic? Because this is often an elderly population, yeah. most times you will see the patient back, they'll have settled down after the diverticulitis, have the bare minimum confirmed diagnosis. And they, they will often have pain intermittently, which often isn't as bad as the, the time they have presented initially. Yeah. If they're presented initially with diverticulitis, they rarely go on to perforate because yeah. of the fibrosis yeah. prevents a, a perforation, but it doesn't prevent them getting diverticulitis mm -hmm. in the future. And if somebody is having recurrent bouts of diverticulitis mm -hmm. and they're otherwise fit, then you may talk to them about having a resection. Mm -hmm. But we, I am slightly cautious about rushing into that. Yeah. However, in a younger, fitter patient who might have early onset of diverticulitis in their 30s yeah. or 40s, I'd have a lower threshold for doing operations. Yeah. So not only because they're fitter, but yeah. also because over their lifespan they are likely to run into yeah. more and more problems. Yeah. Although they have more so, serious type of yeah. disease, you just yeah. have longer to have problems, that's yeah. right, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so, but in general, your, in, your indications of operation would be uh, an emergency presentation such as yeah. a perforation, yeah. um, and uh, a fistula, fistula. So cycle of yeah. vaginal fistula, and uh, or where there's a stricture that's causing mm -hmm. significant symptoms, or they have or recurrent attacks of, or diagnostic uncertainty, mm -hmm. it might be a cancer, mm -hmm. I'm not sure, or Diverticular disease has got in so many problems, it's, yeah. it's, it's ruining their quality yeah. of life. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And then just, just as a final point, there's a lot of confusion around terminology with diverticulosis, diverticular disease, diverticulitis. What, what's, your, what's your take on that? What do you call what? I would, I would call diverticulosis presence of diverticular, yeah. diverticular disease. Asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. Yeah. Diverticular disease is the presence of diverticular disease that are causing disease. Right. So they are symptomatic. Seems fair enough. And the other, uh, diverticulitis is... A key situation with inflammation in the yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. It's a pleasure. Very kind of you to spend some time for us. I hope it's useful. And I uh, hope, hope that was useful for you. Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Interactive Podcasting. If you would like to download more, please visit our website at httpweb.mac.com forward slash Tim Coughlin.